You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 246 with Dr. Pamela Ellis. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, before we jump into the show, I just wanted to let everyone know that I am officially certified as a life coach. So if you guys heard me talking about this earlier in the year, you would have heard me say that I am getting certified and the day has finally come. I passed my exam. I have hit all my criteria and I have already started taking clients. So I am super excited. So if you are looking into changing things up in your life, if you're wanting to live the life that you thought you always would, but maybe you feel a little bit stuck or you want to pivot, reach out to me and I will do a free consult with you. And um, it takes about 30 minutes. We'll jump on the phone. We'll see if we're a good fit. Um, All you have to do is email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com. If you follow me on Instagram at mominspiredliving, you can DM me, you know, direct message me and leave me a message and I will respond back to you. We can set something up. But you guys, I am wanting to help you beyond the podcast. This is why I did this. So if you're determined and committed uh, to creating a life that you really want, and maybe you want to create a life that is so much bigger and better than you ever imagined, but you just don't know how to start, that's where I come in. So reach out to me. I would love to help you. I'm already excited helping the moms that I have been helping. And um, there isn't anything that I can't help you with. I mean, I am super excited with all the things that I learned this year to be able to give to you guys all the knowledge that I have, I am just super pumped about it all. So reach out to me, amber at mominspiredshow.com to set up your free consult. All right, you guys, let's go to the show. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Dr. Pamela on the show today. We are going to be talking about college and getting our kids into college and how do we pay for college? And I thought this would be a great episode. I feel like people are racking their brains trying to figure this out. You know, college tuition is going up so fast. And I personally don't believe that incomes are going up as fast as college tuition. And so Dr. Pamela shares with us how kids can get scholarships as early as 13 and what summer programs might be good for the kids to go into to help them uh, set them up for future success. So I hope you guys feel encouraged with this episode and make sure to share this with your friends. If they're trying to figure out how do I send my kids to college, this is a great episode and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Let's go to the show. Dr. Pamela, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amber. You know, I'm excited about this conversation. (laughs) I know. Me too. Me too. Okay. So before we jump into the conversation, I do like to start with icebreakers uh, just to start off the show. And I wanted to ask you, what is one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh my goodness. Probably to slow down Mm. because my younger self was always hurried, always thinking about the future and just not really enjoying the moment in the way that I could have. And certainly in the way, certainly not in the way that I do now in terms of just being fully present. I love that. Yeah. Do you feel like, when do you feel like you kind of started paying attention to, you know what, I should probably slow down and um, be a little bit more present. What age do you feel like you kind of noticed that? You know, something I had a rollover accident (laughs) back, uh, gosh, it's been, you know, 30 years now, but I had a rollover accident outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, my car slid on some black ice and I was trying to slow down 
uh, because a truck had crossed in front of me. I was on Interstate 40 coming towards Tennessee mm, and yeah. um, just it rolled over. I had one of wow. those old Suzuki Samurais that no oh, one drives anymore, yeah. <laughs> but they were prone to flipping over oh. and it flipped over on and landed on the side of a mountain and seeing my life flash in front of me in that way changed everything. Oh, I would imagine. Changed everything. Wow. And I think I've been you know, on a different, you know, journey since then, especially, you know, emotionally, spiritually, um, yeah. because of that accident. Wow. Yeah. Definitely yeah. life-changing. Yes, it was. And it's amazing you're alive. Yes, yeah. it is. Wow. It is. Well, and I was able to walk away from it amazing. with no scratches. Wow. It was that's a miracle. meant to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. And so it was it worked out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to um, my next question. So how about you share with us your full name, um, where you live, and um, if you have any kids, and if you do, what their ages are? Sure thing. So I am Dr. Pamela Ellis. My trademark is the education doctor. And I live in Dayton, Ohio. Now, I moved here from California from the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'm originally from Memphis, oh, Tennessee. Okay. Amber, mm -hmm. So you can appreciate that. Yeah. But I have three children, two sons and a daughter. And both of my sons just graduated college wow. in this uh, past year of in this past school year. And my daughter is a freshman in college. Wow. So, so you yeah. really know this college stuff. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. You can is, say that for yeah. sure because I've lived it. Yes. And so, yeah, yeah, especially having three kids. Wow. In college. Um, okay. So this is why I wanted to have you on the show. So how about you just first kind of jump into um, how you got to where you are today and then we'll go into more of like the specifics of all the college stuff. Yeah. So how I got into what I'm doing now mm -hmm is, you know, kind of an interesting story that I'll keep brief. Um, and that is just the fact that, you know, I was doing the corporate thing in terms of, you know, working as a banker and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't mm -hmm. like it at all. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like having to put in FaceTime. And when I had children, I was just like, you know, I can't do this because I don't want them to see me hating Mondays, you know, how you oh, have yeah. those butterflies Sunday night because you don't want to go to work the next day. Yeah, I had that. And I was just like, I, I'm not going to do this. And so I left finance cold turkey and went into um, education, working with an education firm. And I just, you know, thought about education, schooling, all of that. And when it, you know, that obsession with schooling got really bad, I went back to get my doctorate degree at Stanford and oh, wow. really, you know, worked on that craft and doing the research around, you know, my research areas, high school to college transition. Yes. And um, I was doing research. I moved to Ohio to be a visiting faculty member mm. at Miami of Ohio. Yeah. And I was working with some research firms after I was there and some families asked me if I would 
help them uh, with their children's journey, um, looking at high schools, like how do you know what's a good high school? What do, what do they do in this summer? Because they saw what I was doing with my own kids and they knew that I worked in education. And so I pretty much took my research work and the experience that I had working with school districts, created a program, a curriculum, and started doing what I do now. Yeah, that is really neat. And so um, I, that's why I'm excited to kind of just kind of pick your brain on all of this. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because the cost alone. So I know we're going to talk about, you know, preparing the kids emotionally and all that stuff, but the, the college just tuition just keeps going up. And honestly, I don't know how people are even affording it, especially since incomes are not rising at the same rate. So, I mean, you just look at state schools and they're so expensive. So I always am fascinated with like, how are people sending their kids to school? So that leads me to the first question of like, how can parents, you know, plan and also pay for college? Ooh, you start with the big questions, oh, yeah. don't you? <laughs> We're just jumping we, right we in. Do you want to, you want to do another one? <laughs> yeah, really? So first off, what I want to say is that the, Fees that you see online, the yeah. tuition, cost of attendance, all of that. Think of that as a sticker price, oh, Amber. Okay. Okay. And so the percent of people who are paying in full nationally are is around 20%. Oh. And so the other 80% are getting some monies for college, either through... Uh, funding from the federal government. They're getting it from state organizations. They're getting it from credit unions. <laughs> and the biggest dollars, though, are coming directly from the colleges. And so colleges do quite a bit of discounting, just like you do in a dealership. And I hate okay. to use that analogy, yeah. um, but that's the way it works. And so you can look at um, the information on their pages to see what percent are paying in full and, you know, the percent of the actual amount of tuition that's paid. And it's usually far less than what you see online. So, so how, how would people even figure that out though? So like when you go to, or when you're trying to figure out each school, how yeah. would you know then really what you would be paying to kind of like figure out your options? Yeah. So they have a calculator um, on each campus site. And so those calculators, you know, will give you some indication based on income mm -hmm. and all of that. But generally, you know, when I am working with students, you know, on their college list, we're looking at, you know, what is a good financial fit mm -hmm. for them, for their family. And so with that, you know, thinking about what the what are the what's the potential for scholarship money that comes directly from the colleges. I see. And so it's um I'm I'm just trying to kind of think through a way to articulate it that can help, you know, even if you have a child that's younger mm -hmm. and you know, I just say, you know, with when you do have a child that's younger, certainly starting to have some savings that helps. Um, and when children are around 13 years old, you can start applying for outside scholarships. 
You know, I know you're not quite there yet with your daughter, but there are a lot of external scholarships that come from corporations. They come from foundations, a lot of different organizations or even, you know, different private, you know, entities like law firms that will have scholarships. And so you can apply for these scholarships, like I said, starting at age 13. And some of them may be community service related or if, you know, your child creates a quick video about, you know, not texting and driving. Mm. So those kinds of scholarships are out there and they have, I mean, there are tons of these scholarships. And actually a few years ago, I really wanted to remind families, you know, that these scholarships are out there. And so I have an e-zine that I send out uh, each week and it has scholarships for that month. You know, here are all the scholarships that are available this month. And I have a printed calendar, you know, where they can post it on their wall, you know, on their refrigerator to say, here are the scholarships that are available now. I mean, some of them are, you know, uh, for older grades, but a lot of them start at age 13. And so at any time you can apply for these scholarships. Every month there are some scholarships like coming up this summer in July, you know, there's a flavor of the month, you know, and it's just talking about why you like ice cream, you know? So, I mean, it's just all kinds of different scholarships that are out there that you can apply to. But once your student is in high school, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's their grades, it's their activities. um, It's, you know, the way that they are engaging and just who they are that, you know, plays a role in terms of those scholarships that come directly from the colleges. And all, I mean, all of the colleges have some, you know, scholarships that they offer in some form. Mm, Okay. So I was going to ask you, okay, so when you start at 13 and you're applying for the external scholarships, Mm-hmm. Where would people be going to find those specific scholarships? Yeah, so I, I can tell you actually where I get a number of them from. So there are a couple of websites that I use. And then sometimes, you know, my team will scour other mm. places to find these uh, scholarships. Yeah. Uh, but I curate them from Unigo, U N I G O, is a website that has a lot of different scholarships. Um, and then another site that I use is called going Mary, M E R R Y.com. Um, they have, I, I really love going Mary because they have, um, scholarships set up specific to each student. So you get like a customized list and then they actually tell you how long it'll take to complete the scholarship, which I think helps kids with time management. Yes. And so um, that's that's a site that I like a lot. Uh, but those two sites are mm. the primary ones that I use. And okay. I, you know, publish them, you know, in my e-zine uh, each month to say, you know, here are the scholarships coming up for the next month. Um, that you can apply to or, you know, at least share with your team to apply to them. Yeah, tell us, um, tell us where we can go to. Like, 
I'm sorry. Tell us yeah. where we can go to kind of get on that list and I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. I'll share that with you. It's a, uh, I have a short link okay. um, that I can give you okay. and it'll take uh, families directly to uh, a toolkit that okay. I have and they can get access to it. Okay, great. I'll yep. put that in the show notes. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. I was going to ask you with the going Mary's, did you say it's G O I N G going and then M E R R Y Mary? Is that what you said? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yep, then Unigo is U N I G O. It sure is. Okay. So let so I, I'm, cause I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. Um, so when you think about like external scholarships, I love that, that one, the going Mary gives you um, a time frame of kind of how long it takes what does that look like? So when you think about external scholarships, like how much on average are you getting? And then where does that money go? So, I mean, this is how foreign all of this is to me that, so you get a scholarship, where does that money go off to, especially when they're 13, 14, they're not, I mean, they're they're not even close to going to college. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it because it's pretty much saved until they go to college and then they let them know where to send it to. Because in most cases, oh. the monies go directly to the college to I offset oh, okay. um, their balance. Yeah. And so your daughter would, you know, mm-hmm. receive this scholarship. Let's say it's um, $1,500 mm. and she's 13. Yep. And so once she turns 18, you know, or around that after she finishes senior year and is going to college in the fall, she would just let them know and they send the money to the college, the $1,500. And of course they probably earned interest on it and everything else by the end. So, so yeah. So has there ever been a time though, that like people were not able to cash that in, that there was issues or anything like that, that, I mean, cause it's a long time, right? So it's like, so from 13 to 18, that's five years. Like, have you had any, have you ever heard of issues or have from what the most part people were able to cash them out by the time they get to 18? Yeah, I have not heard of any issues with that. It's not that it's never happened before. I just Mm -hmm. am not. You haven't, you haven't ran into that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that sounds really great. I mean, the exact, this is exactly why I wanted you to come on because I, again, didn't even know this existed. So, um, again, I'll put the, the, um, the short link in the show notes so that everybody can get that. Cause I think that would be great for people just to get that in their email or however that comes to you of the, uh, scholarships that can, you know, come out each month and stuff like that. Um, and then, is there anything else you wanted to talk about specifically with planning and paying for college? No, there isn't. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to jump ahead. If, if you wanted to keep finishing something, one thing that stood out to me is when you were talking about that lady saying, Oh, what are you doing um, with your kids in the summer? I wanted to go back to that. Um, what were you doing with your kids to get them ready? And was that in high school or did you start them in middle school? Like what did that look like? Actually, I st- started um, summer programs with my children when they were younger. And actually, because I have sons, my oldest is a, a boy. Okay. I was particularly concerned about, you know, how um, he would stay engaged 
oh, in school mm-hmm. okay. and be excited about learning. Sure. Because there is a lot of research and findings around African-American males and okay. how when they are you know, going from elementary to middle school around that fourth grade year, that mm-hmm. oftentimes they become less engaged in school. And so I wanted to prevent my own sons being one of those statistics. And so I was like, you know something, when they are going into fifth grade, I'm going to make sure they're doing something in Mm. the summer because we all know that for students across the board in the summertime, there's usually that drop off as far as their learning. And so that's what you know, made me very attentive to it. And I found a summer program for him. It was actually a two or three week program uh, for kids, you know, at that age. Yeah. And it was uh, on a college campus and it was, you know, very well organized and everything else. And and so I let him do it. And, you know, there are programs like that around. And I thought, too, it could help him in terms of, you know, developing his own social skills Mm -hmm. as well. And I know for some, you know, parents that may feel too long of a time. And so it was, you know, within driving distance from our home at the time. And so I thought, I'm going to try it out. And he loved it. Is this something that you took him every day or was he gone for two to three weeks? He was gone. It was a residential program. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a residential program. I see. So did you do that with all your kids? I sure did because you you know how it is, Amber, you have two. (laughs) If you do something for one, you have to do it for the other, you know, because then they'll feel like (laughs) they are the favorite (laughs) and then that causes, you know, some tension. I know. You need a job (laughs) just for summer camps, I tell (laughs) you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So now what if people can't afford to do the overnight for two to three weeks? Like, what kind of suggestions do you have for them? You know, I see, I'm seeing a lot more things like STEM programs, STEM camps. And I mean, do you feel like they have to be specifically, you know, academic camps? Like what kind of camps were your kids actually going to? Were they academic based or were they, was it? Sometimes, yes, they were academic based. They have something. um, So like, for example, one of my sons, um, he was really into sports and I wanted to encourage writing. And so Mm. I found a day camp in my area that was on sports writing. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So think about it in terms of, you know, what your child's interests are. Yeah. And then find something, you know, that has, you know, that interest along with a little bit of something else. (laughs) And in my case, I wanted something that could still keep them engaged academically. Yeah. And so it could be, you know, around reading of sports. It could be around writing. It could have been something where it was more hands on. Yeah. Um, So. That's that was kind of the way I thought about it. And the you know, in terms of the cost for these different programs, Mm -hmm. there are so many programs that have scholarships. And the thing about it, though, is oftentimes there will be an earlier deadline with the scholarship. I see. And so that's why parents will usually miss out because they will start looking at summer programs, you know, in April and May. Yep. 
Well, they've already missed the deadline because a lot of summer programs will release their information in January. Got it. So, you know, every January in my newsletter, you know, I say, hey, this is the time to look at summer programs because, you know, if they're going to have scholarships and many of them do, the majority of them do have some scholarships. Usually the deadline may be March 1st. I see. Yeah. So and you got to so be on top of it. Mm-hmm. You need to be on top of it. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, when I was, you know, doing this, I actually created a database of yeah. summer programs. I can imagine. <laughs> well, you need to keep you know, track of all of it. Exactly. And yeah. then when I, you know, if I found something that was for an older grade, yep. you know, I'd categorize it nice. so that I could say, oh, when my kid is that age, yeah, like I you love could it. be saying now, yep. you know, when, when they're that age, yep. this is what they can do. Yes. And so that's kind of how I had it all planned out. Yep. And so um, for girls, you know, a lot of the STEM programs can be free, you oh. know. And so I had, yeah. you know, looked up these different programs that I knew about for my daughter. She was interested in science. Yep. And so okay, that's that is how, know. you know. Yeah. And then, of course, once I started working with other families and, you know, sometimes their kid would have an interest in X, you know, which is totally different than what my kids' interests were. I would research that. I would vet those different programs, you know, like go visit those programs, talk with the administration who were overseeing it. And that's how I continue to build that database. And so now... I mean, I have kids, you know, who are, you know, in high school, you know, like a ninth grader from working with the ninth grader and it's something that they are interested in for the summer. It's like, oh, here are some different programs to consider. I see. So what is your recommendation in trying to find the summer programs in like in everyone's area? Like what was your tactic? Was it just Mm kind of typing summer programs or did you have you know, a little trick of figuring this out. Yeah. And I learned this from my daughter being very specific in Google. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's a funny little story I'll tell briefly, but my daughter had to be probably in second or third grade. And there was, um, uh, she was telling me some things about Christopher Columbus. And I'm like, really, how do you know that? She said, Oh, I just typed in on Google (laughs) You know, X, Y, Z, Christopher Columbus. I mean, it was very specific. Yeah. Oh, really? I've never searched Google that way. Yeah. And ever since then. And so what I would share with you, Amber, Mm -hmm. is you would say, like, if your daughter is interested in STEM, you want her to do something in Tennessee. Yeah. I would say, you know, science, engineering, girls, STEM. Tennessee summer free, you know. Oh, got it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> something very specific to her. Yeah, that's how you do it. Okay. And then what you do is for that first site that you get to that shows up on, you know, the first page of Google. Mm-hmm. Read through it and look at some of the words and how they describe it. Oh, and then okay, put yeah. that into a, another Google search. And you'll come up with the programs that you want to find just for her. I see. And so that's, that's really how I built it over the years. And so, you know, if a mom, you know, comes to me and her son does, you know, he hates reading and, 
he doesn't want to do this or he's a gamer, you know, you can put that in there. Mm -hmm. But one thing I know about students who are gamers, they do well in economics. And I found that out during a visit that I was doing. And I have some girls who are Mm -hmm. gamers. Yep. And um, economics is a thing for them. One of my students, um, he and I started working together uh, beginning of his ninth grade year. And he's now doing finance in college. Wow. But, you know, the seed that was planted was him doing that economics program in the summer because his mom said he was a gamer. And it so happened I was on a campus visit and this econ professor said that at the beginning of each semester, he always asked the students, you know, who was game, who was a gamer or who That's is a so gamer. Interesting. And the correlation. And he said, <laughs> and, you know, every time the students who do the best in his class, are they are gamers. Wow. Yeah. And so I was like, ha. Now I know what Nathan can do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> really how it came up. That's really how it came up. That is really and, cool. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you did, okay, so you did two to three weeks for the summer camps and stuff like that. Um, what That was for one. I mean, did you have them doing more than two to three weeks? Like what was your, I guess, no. average time? Is that just what you had them do or? Yeah. That's, okay. It's, and you felt good about the that. Thing about it is the summer I don't think should be filled completely. Yeah, me too. So let's say they have 12 weeks, you know, yeah. that they're out of school. Yeah. You know, maybe two of it is, you know, a formal program. Okay. The others we do, you know, plan them out and I even do this with my students when we're working with them. Mm. We're meeting in May, early June. Okay. We're putting together their summer calendar. I see. And I have students actually say what their goals are for the mm. summer. You know, okay. what you know, two or three goals do you have for this summer? Mm. And then we look at, you know, what they're doing week by week, you know, because you know, our teens like I say sometimes they need that extra you know, scaffolding in terms yep. of managing their time. Yes. And so we look at it week by week and it's, you know, filling in what reading as well. I think that's so important to do in the summer. Yep. And especially if they don't like reading, you know, you making really time push it. Yeah. Something that they enjoy or participating in a library program. Well, I'm glad that you specified to that they don't need to be doing it all summer long, you know, that just do it two or three weeks and then, you know, let them enjoy summer and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let them enjoy their summer. I have a dad who I was just talking with recently um, because he was like, you know, oh, my son is he's not doing this. He's not doing that. I was like, you know, let him take the summer off. You know, how Mm -hmm. about that? Just do nothing. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think in this past year with everything that's um happened and yeah. you know, a lot of some students have lost some motivation. Yeah. And um just, you know, supporting them where they are and knowing that it's still gonna come together. It's still gonna come together. Yeah, um, very true. Yeah. I like that. Um, Okay, so we are getting close to the end. So I just wanted to kind of touch base on a few things. So what is your thoughts with just preparing the kids emotionally? I don't I don't think that's always something that people think about. And then I don't know if people really know how to actually go about it. Yeah, you know, preparing students emotionally, 
I would say that's really about helping them to develop resilience. Mm. Um, and it could be things like, you know, um, having, you know, nurturing relationships, mm. um, helping them with developing relationships with their peers and also other trusted adults and with teachers or other members of the community or coaches. Um, that's part of developing resilience setting some routines and, you know, routines are huge uh, in terms of developing resilience. And so that's, you know, what I think about in terms of the emotional support. And one of the things that I do with my students is talking about gratitude, um, which helps with developing resilience. And it's huge. And oftentimes students you know, they don't know or they can't think of anything. And I just say, you know, think about the last 24 hours, you know, because I want them to be specific. And what what is it that you're grateful for? Tell me three mm. things that you're grateful for. Yeah. And they come up with some things. And it's just, you know, it helps them and, you know, helps with, you know, developing their own sense of who they are. And a sense of control as well, because, you know, you can control what you're grateful for. Yeah. (laughs) You don't need your dad to do that for you. Yes. Um, Okay. Yeah. And certainly teens, you know, want to have that sense of control. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I like that. Um, Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to ask you, I, I meant to ask you about this in the summer, what is your thoughts with kids having jobs versus maybe really focusing on getting scholarships? And now you may say they should have both. I don't know. But like, what is your thoughts with that? I'm just curious. Oh, I think jobs are great. I okay. mean, for me, yeah. um, I worked <laughs> yeah. during high school. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, I was working during the school year as mm-hmm. well, which, okay. you know, yep. sometimes could be a little bit too sure. much to do. Yep. But I I think that jobs are great. And I've had a number of students who work in the summer Um, and it's not, you know, a fancy internship It's working at Subway making sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. You know, doing some other types of jobs like that. My daughter uh, worked um, a couple of her summers. She worked. And so, yeah. Yeah, so you think I, it's I do a great think thing. that there's value. Oh, yeah, I think there's definitely value in it. And for some students, you know, quite frankly, they don't, you know, maybe they aren't applying for scholarships because a lot of the scholarship applications have essays to write. Oh. You know, so it may be a short essay of 200 words and they don't like writing or they haven't been doing enough reading for pleasure to support you know, strong writing skills. And so they're not applying for scholarships. I see. And even as many scholarships as there are out there and as many <laughs> that I publish in my easing, there are families that don't, I would say probably, you know, 10% of clients actively apply to scholarships. They're still getting a lot of money directly from the colleges. But uh, as far as the external scholarships, maybe 10% of them are actually actively applying. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that 
you know, would apply broadly as Interesting. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we end, um, Dr. Pamela, what is your thoughts with um, the transition between high school to college? Like, what do you think is the biggest, I guess, maybe obstacle or challenge that you see kids having that it would be kind of good to, you know, tell parents, you know, to kind of keep an eye out or to help their kids with that yeah. transition? Oh, the biggest challenge for students transitioning from high school to college, even trans transitioning from middle school to high school oh. is social. Okay. Social. And um, for my, you know, students, you know, eighth to ninth grade, oftentimes there's what their summer looks like is some activity that supports them with social you know, their social and interpersonal skills. Okay. So what would you say, what would you, okay. Yeah. So what would you say to do to help them with this transition? Um, like to just help them with their socializing or to get them in more, I guess, extracurricular. Well, well, no, some of it could be, um, supporting them in the way of, Maybe um, if they have friends that live in another neighborhood, maybe driving them there to do some type of activity together, but encouraging them to make connections with friends. And, you know, my own daughter um, had this situation her freshman year of college, you know, like, oh, I don't have any friends, yada, yada. And it's just like, you know, what are you doing to be a friend? I see. And so giving her some suggestions around how to be a friend, because that's the way you make friends. Got it. Okay. So and the main, so it, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, go ahead. So the main thing is social. Yep. Yeah. That's then, the biggest transition. That is good to know. Yeah. I don't even think that would have, that would have been the thing that I thought of. And then what is your thoughts with high school to college that people might struggle with? It's the same thing oh, same for college thing. freshmen. It's the social, oh, okay. the social transition. That's the biggest one. That's the biggest, you know, reason, you know, that kids transfer. <laughs> oh, because they didn't find friends. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh. And one of the areas of fit um, that I talk about, you know, with developing their college list is where can they make friends? And it's looking at, you know, the residential life, the kinds of clubs that that are offered at that campus. And so this, you know, in some cases requires a little bit of self-awareness, too, you know, on the student's part. And so those kinds of dynamics speak to how they're going to transition well into college, because the biggest one is the social piece. You think about roommates, you know, and understanding how to be friends with your roommate. That's the biggest piece. Yeah. I can imagine that would be a struggle if you're having a hard time um, with, so what is your thoughts then with like trying to get along with your roommate, you know, especially if you're not similar and, or, you know what I mean? Like, see, I think when you're not similar, it's usually because you've matched it yourself. Because the colleges have spent decades working out, you know, how to match roommates. And I always say this to my students every year, you know, I think it's chancy to, you know, meet someone on social media and say, let's be roommates (laughs) so that you can know who you're going to room with. Yeah. No, let Let the college do it. it. 
because they've had so much experience. They know the kinds of questions to ask in that survey. And they use that as a guide because they want you to be successful in freshman year because they know how much that will matter. I love it. It makes a difference for them from, you know, everything that they're offering and also from a development standpoint. Because if you don't have a great experience freshman year, you're less likely to give back. Oh, yeah. In terms of donations. That makes sense. You know, that matters to them. So let them match your roommate because they have a great track record. I mean, the percentage that don't work out is, you know, a lot lower than if you match it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you said that because I could see people trying to do that. And it's like, no, let them do it. They've been doing this. They're the experts at it. So that's a really great point. And I wanted to ask one more question. Um, in regards to, I, I was saying to you before, Tennessee, uh, you can go to community college for free for two years. You have to do something, but I forget what that is. Um, what is your thoughts with people going to community college if that's the more affordable route for them to go? Do you feel like the kids are missing out by not going to a university and not having those that freshman and sophomore year? Or, I mean, what is your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's kind of hard to make a blanket generalization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tend not to recommend um, community colleges uh, for the most part, only because, you know, oftentimes it, you know, students may say they're going to, you know, go on to get a bachelor's degree, but usually, and this is, you know, if you look at the data, I mean, the matriculation rate is a lot lower than it was, you know, thought to be or at least articulation. So going from in uh, from a community college to a bachelor's degree. So maybe that's something like in the teens. And so the intent is there. But oftentimes when you're at home, you're mixed up in so many other things. So True. it just ends up being like an extra year of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're so, looking at it more for will like the percentages of kids actually going on to get their bachelor's. That's right. where you're kind of right. hesitant about it. Got it. Right. Yeah. Right. I could and see that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And for my students, they want to finish a bachelor's some percent of them may be thinking about professional school already that they're going to go on for another degree. And so if that's the case, then I want them to start at a four year because they're going to get all of the support they need. And when we're working through creating that list based on academic, social, financial, vocational and cultural fit, those five areas, they're going to be in a school that they're more likely to complete because that's, that's what my research is about in yeah. terms of that transition is you want to go to a college where you actually finish. So it's not about just going for the sake of going, wasting money yep. and not completing. Sure. Yeah. Well, this was such great information. Dr. Pamela, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you guys, are you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show? If not, make sure to subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show email list. Why it's so important is because 
I own the rights to my email list as well as to my website. So last year it taught me that social media, we do not own any content on that. They can decide at any moment to either hide content, they can prevent people from reaching out to you, finding you, and they can block you from certain things and you have no control over it. So I want you guys to subscribe to my show so that way You can always find me. You can always know what's going on because I own the rights to my email list. And so all you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com, enter your name and email. And then that way, every week on Tuesday, you will get an email from me with the newest episode with the show notes, as well as any links or codes that I talked about in the show. That way you don't have to go searching for it on my website and then go into the episode and then go into the show notes. It is all at your fingertips and makes it super easy. But most importantly, no one can take away this content. Um, and that way you don't have to worry, Hey, what happened? I'm not seeing Amber stuff anymore on social media feeds. Like, why are they hiding it? I control all of this stuff. And so I just want to make sure that you guys will always know what's going on and that you will always have access to the things that I am sharing. And so please go subscribe to the mom inspired show email list today.